Last time we started going through the causes of the disturbing attitudes. We talked about the first one being the impression or the seed of the disturbing attitude and how this is not a consciousness, it's just a potency. So it's very different from the psychological view of something, you know, that you're feeling an emotion that you're not feeling, you know, or that it's a big solid thing that's subconscious. But rather, in the Buddhist view, it's just a potency when it's activated. You come up with a manifest, like manifest anger, manifest pride, something like that. Okay, so it's that, that seed or that impression that also carries this disturbing attitude from one lifetime to the next. So that when we die, you know, our gross consciousnesses lose their power and dissolve into the subtler consciousnesses. And these seeds also go along with, yeah. And then they, when we get into another body, you know, and the gross consciousnesses appear, and the seeds are there, the potencies are there, ready to be activated so that we get disturbing attitudes in our next life. That's why, you know, from the Buddhist view, suicide is, is such a tragedy because when people kill themselves, they think that they're stopping their suffering, that, you know, they're usually tormented by their own thoughts or by their situation, by their moods, and so they think that by killing themselves, then it stops all that. But from Buddha's view, you know, the consciousness continues to the next life. The disturbing attitudes in this form of seeds or impressions also goes on to the next life, so that suicide doesn't really solve anything, you know. So that's why it's considered such a tragic thing from a Buddhist viewpoint. Okay, and then, so that was the first one, the first cause of the disturbing attitudes, and then the second one was the objects that stimulate their arisal. Okay, did you notice any objects between Monday and today that stimulated arisal of disturbing attitudes? Yeah, so it's good to be aware of the things that set us off and create some kind of space between them and us initially, so that we, not so that we're running away or escaping, but just so that we have the time to do more practice, so that then when we contact those things, they're not going to set us off in the same way. Yeah. And and I really emphasize this, that it's not a way of escaping, because some people say to me, Aren't you escaping things? You know, aren't you escaping life when you become a nun? <laughs> you know? Oh, I wish it were that easy. <laughs> you know, and I tell them, really, you know, your anger, your attachment, the whole thing, it comes right into the monastery with you. And you start acting it out right there. You know? So that, um, <laughs> I was talking with, with one person who used to be a monk, and he said, he used to, he, he got so attached to his robes, like which robes were made out of nice clothes, cloth, and which ones, you know, I have, I don't have that difficulty quite, quite so much. You know, my mother tried when I was young to get me to wear good clothes, and she didn't succeed very well. So, you know, that, you know, it hasn't been robes that, that is my object of attachment, although I've seen, you know, for some people, that's the thing. You know, but your attachment to food, it just moves right along with you, you know, and attachment to reputation and how people treat you, that comes right along with you. You don't escape from anything. 
Okay, then the, the third one is um, detrimental influences such as wrong friends, okay? Or should we say like inappropriate friends? Or how do you say this politely? You know, hanging out with the wrong crowd. <laughs> yeah, the birds of a feather flock together. Well, Pabonko, you know, Rinpoche and the Buddha said exactly the same thing, you know, that that you become like the people you're with. So when we hang around people with bad ethics, we, you know, become like them. And it's interesting, what is the, de the definition of a wrong friend or, or a bad friend or a bad influence? You know, it's somebody who's attached to the happiness of this life. Okay, so then it makes you think, well, we're not having any good friends. <laughs> Yeah, which is precisely why, um, I mean, we might have a lot of attachment and stuff ourselves, but to to hang around the people who are Dharma people, that really influences us in a very positive direction, because at least they have those same kinds of aspirations, and they can inspire us to practice. But when we make our closest friends people who are completely attached to this life so that all they talk about is their ski trips and, you know, their real estate and how to cheat, you know, the IRS and the politics and the sports and the fashion and things, and you know, then we start thinking like that. We start being like that. We adopt their values because we want to fit in. Yeah? And so it's the old thing of peer pressure. Yeah, we th we keep thinking that we outgrew that. That only teenagers are influenced by their peers, you know. So you don't want any of your teenage kids to hang around the wrong crowd. But you know, we're just as susceptible as teenagers to what people think of us. And you just watch how attached we are to our reputation, and the the great lengths we do to to be accepted by other people. And so, if the people we hang around and the people whose opinions we value are people who have no regard um, for future lives or no regard for the altruistic intention, you know, that they're just really intent on getting as much pleasure as they can and taking care of their own needs and wants, then we're going to become exactly like that. It's going to be really, really difficult to practice dharma. So that's why I remember Geshe Nalandarge, he said, Evil friends, they, they, they aren't the ones that come in your house and have horns on your head and say, give me everything you have, you know. He said, those aren't the evil friends. They're the ones who come over right when you're about to sit down and meditate and say, ah, oh, gee, there's a real good movie playing at the cinema. Let's go. Yeah. <laughs> he said, those are the people you have to be careful of. Want to argue. Oh, your beliefs? Yeah. What about them? Oh, well, I don't know. Sometimes those people can be real helpful because, I mean, it depends what the quality of the discussion is. If it's a discussion where they're asking questions and we come to understand that we don't know the answers or we don't understand um, what we're saying, 
then those people are actually quite kind because they're showing us what we need to brush up on and where we need to do our homework. Yeah. If they're people who are um, with an evil intent, deliberately trying to make you confused, yeah, then um, their intention is not so good. Yeah. But then the question is, do we let ourselves be influenced by that? In other words, like if somebody... Um, I mean, they can be evil friends in the sense that if we value what they think of us and they think Buddhism is a bunch of junk, then we might say, well, I want to be accepted by these people. I want these people to think that I'm nice and smart and wonderful. So, yeah, maybe I'll just start believing what they believe and then, you know, I can go to the church socials too. Um, <laughs> a lot of people, I'm saying this because this is how a lot of people convert in Singapore. Yeah, because the kids didn't get a very good Buddhist education by their parents. So then people come and they um, and they say, oh, Buddhism is just a bunch of superstition. This is all silly. Why do you believe in it? You know, why do you bow down and worship idols? And so because they have, they don't understand the religion that they've been professing and they don't understand that Buddhists don't worship idols. They begin to have a lot of doubts and then the churches have these wonderful socials with lots of food and dancing and, you know, da 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 da. And people are like, oh, you know, this is nice and I want to be accepted and I want these people to like me, um, so I'll go. Yeah? So it depends very much how, how we handle those situations. And this is why we really have to be on the lookout for attachment to reputation because it can run us around like a chala chasing a piece of string, you know. We just go in circles with it. And so this is, you know, why we have to be really careful who, who we create close friendships with and what kind of influence we we let ourselves have and, and how we let ourselves be influenced by other people. Yeah. And the same is, uh, for teachers, too. Um, you know, that you want to make sure that you pick teachers who have good qualities because if your teachers have bad habits, then you're going to pick up the, the bad habits of your teachers. So, so was saying, so if you hang around a teacher who who scolds people a lot, you know, you become like that. Or if you hang around a teacher who's very miserly, you become like that. So it's good to do, to just kind of look over our friendships, I think, and see, you know, what people really influence us in a positive way so that they help us practice better, so that they help us generate positive states of mind. They help us, um, you know, let go of our defilements. You know, like, for example, sometimes we get angry. You know, we get really, you know, ticked off at somebody and we think, okay, I'm going to go talk to my friend. And what we have in mind is, I'm going to go talk to that person. I'm going to dump it all out how bad, you know, Joe was to me. And my friend is going to say, you're right, Joe is really an idiot. You know? And so a friend is somebody who's going to side with me against Joe who's an idiot. That's the way we usually think. That's the worldly way of thinking. From a Buddhist way, that's not really what a friend is going to do. Because that kind of friend who says, yeah, you're absolutely right. You really have to be mad at him because he's wrong. That kind of friend is encouraging your anger. 
Yeah? They're telling you it's good to be angry and you should go and retaliate and get even. So that's not a real friend because that's somebody who's helping you to create negative karma. So often what we consider a friend in worldly terms, when we look at how we're influenced by that person, you know, what really is the benefit of friendship? Yeah. I mean, is, is a friend just somebody who makes us feel good temporarily right now and in the process um, exacerbates our attachment and our anger? Or is a friend somebody who's maybe sometimes a little bit more straightforward with us and says things that we don't particularly like to hear, but in the process of it, they're going to make us um, check up what's going on in our mind. And they're going to be there when, you know, to help us when we realize that, you know, our mind's kind of gone on the wrong track. So it's something to think about, you know, what really is a friend from a Buddhist point of view? What kind of people do we want to cultivate friendships with? And what kind of friendships do we want to have? What are qualities of those friendships? So is the idea to um, cut off from friends who basically aren't drama students? I don't think so. I don't think the point is to cut off with friends who aren't drama students. Um, It's more to... Because, yeah, I mean, some, those people can still have very good qualities and, you know, without knowing anything about Dharma. Yeah. So it's just more of a thing of watching how they influence us or how we let ourselves be influenced. And in this process also of, of evaluating our friendships, it doesn't mean that we come, we become proud and arrogant and well, you aren't a Buddhist and you create negative karma, so I'm not going to talk to you. You know, <laughs> it's not that kind of thing. Yeah, because definitely compassion for all beings is, is the thing to be cultivating. But it's more an acknowledgement of our own internal weaknesses. And so because we're weak, not because the other people are bad, we're going to have to, you know, watch who we spend time with. So it's more an, an, an admitting our own weaknesses than criticizing others. So it's not dumping people. It's not, you know, kind of throwing your old friends kind of in the garbage can and, and like that. Uh-uh. Yeah. I mean, I myself personally found... Um, well, with me, it was different, though, because I kind of moved out of the country, so. <laughs> yeah, so I wound up making a whole new circle of friends. Yeah, so it was a different situation, but still, when I used to go visit the States, I would look up my old friends, and um, some of those friendships still still exist, and some of them don't. You know, it really depends. And it's quite interesting because some of my old friendships, um, oh, my college roommate lives in San Francisco, and when I teach there, she comes. Yeah. And another college roommate is a professor of religion, but she's very devout in another faith. But she asked me to come and talk to her classes at the university. So, you know, I mean, each your friend's... Each friendship will be different, and some of them you'll really grow with, 
in spite of your difference, but you'll really continue to help each other.